Good afternoon, everyone. Perfect. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Marcello, and um, as we just heard, I spent the past five or six years working across um, 20 or so countries on the continent um, in the technology and innovation space um, with startups, with entrepreneurs, with new technologies. And I just want to talk today a little bit about the things I've seen and the things I've witnessed and uh, introduce you into this world that I think is not something that we hear about often um, here in Germany and in Europe. And so uh, when I was asked by the organizers to speak and they, were, and they told me that the topic is parallel worlds, I thought what a perfect topic um, to introduce people into uh, this often unknown parallel world of innovation and entrepreneurship on the continent. So my journey um, started about six years ago. Um, and back then, I had not really been on the continent. I hadn't had much exposure. Um, and so what, 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 what I knew about the continent is probably very similar to a lot of the things that people know about the continent here today. Um, you know, we often hear about the continent um, of, of poverty. We hear about the continent where people are in, in need and the, the dust in the streets. Um, for those of us that have watched The Lion King, um, maybe we've heard of the continent of, of animals, of safaris, of lions, the place where, uh, you know, metaphorically speaking, planes can't land because lions cross the runway. I mean, these are the questions that you get sometimes. But I think the biggest, the biggest thing we often hear about, and it's something that happens every day on the streets here, is we hear about the continent that needs our help. Right? If you cross the streets anywhere in Europe, you'll get stopped by people that say, with 10 euros, you can save the life of an African child, putting the price on a life and giving you the feeling that you are the person that's gonna, that has saving the continent in their hands. And what I've discovered in the past years and what I've been privileged to witness is the exact opposite. And I've come to believe that the future is actually being built on the continent of Africa. Now, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why I think that is, but before that, I want to take you onto the journey that I've been through um, and how I've kind of come to be privileged enough to experience this. So, as all good things, um, it started with a stupid idea on a bus. Um, about six years ago, a friend of mine called me and said, hey, I'm doing this thing called Startup Bus, um, driving from Harare in Zimbabwe to um, Cape Town in South Africa. Um, it's like a five-day trip and you get together with about 30 entrepreneurs on a bus, building out ideas, stopping along um, innovation hubs and centers, and kind of getting a sense for the vibe of the, the startup space on the continent. And I was exposed to an incredible amount of people um, building really cool tech, using technology to solve the problems they saw on the ground, and I found it incredibly captivating. And I was like, how can I, how can I support? How can I get involved? And so, over the years after, I joined a, a, an incubator that helped um, startups across the continent succeed. And now for the past two and a half years, I've actually been in a local South African fintech startup myself, looking at growing um, the company into other African markets. Originally, I'm from, from Austria. I'm half Austrian, half Italian. Um, and now I live in, in, in South Africa full time. Um, but what I've basically gotten uh, to see and gotten to witness is basically a continent that uh, is growing incredibly fast. You have economies that are growing 10%, 12% a year, um, incredible growth. You have population that is incredibly young. The average age on the continent is about 18, 19 years. So you have 
a good 600, 700 million people on the continent that have not even reached 20 years of age. Um, and cities are growing incredibly fast. Out of the 30 fastest growing cities in the world, 21 are in Africa. And by 2030, there's going to be cities that are 5 or 10 million people big that you may have never heard of. Dar es Salaam and, uh, and Kinshasa are going to be cities of 10 million people. Um, Abuja is going to be a city of five. And cities like Lagos and Cairo and Johannesburg are going to grow even more. So by 2030, you're probably going to have the five biggest cities on the continent being as big as all of Germany, just to give you a sense for the scale and the, and the size. Um, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. But what this is also doing, this is creating a massive opportunity um, for people to build their own innovation, to build their own businesses, to build their own solution for their own problems. And so this is something that I've been privileged enough to witness and I'm really, really, really passionate about. So what these people are also doing, and I think we've heard this um, from previous speakers as well, they're also kind of challenging the theory of development, right? Because if we think about development, um, generally speaking, we think about development as a continuum of undeveloped and developed. Right? You can think probably somewhere on the left, um, undeveloped, you'd have a, a metaphorical North Korea, and on the right, you'd have a metaphorical um, America, and countries can only move along this line, along this, this, this artificial um, continuum. But the reality is that that's not how it works, right? As we heard earlier today, it's not that we are at the pinnacle of development and everybody's just trying to catch up to us. People and countries and regions are developing their own way of, of, of developing. They're leapfrogging certain technologies, they're leapfrogging certain steps of, of, of development and are charting their own path. And why is that important? Because one thing we often don't realize sitting here is that the, what we today call the developed world is actually becoming less and less relevant in the global context. Today already you've got about 90% of the population of the world that lives in what we call an emerging market. And you have almost 40% of global GDP that comes from emerging markets. So we'll soon be in a situation where both the majority of the population and the majority of the economic output comes from the emerging, quote-unquote, emerging world. So, funny enough, we will be the minority. But why is that, but to kind of flip this on its head, why is this a massive opportunity for entrepreneurs in Africa and in other emerging markets? It's because they have the incredible opportunity to build solutions for local problems that are also relevant for the majority of the rest of the world while at the same time working on problems that the quote-unquote developed world doesn't even know exist. We've heard a few innovations earlier, and I'm going to talk about a few others. So you have a massive information advantage because people sitting in Hamburg, people sitting in London, people sitting in Munich don't know the reality of living in an emerging market, whereas somebody sitting in Kampala, somebody sitting in Kinshasa has a much bigger information advantage and their knowledge um, scales to other markets. So this is really the big opportunity that I see for startups and innovation coming from the continent. Now, what I want to do now is kind of like take you on a bit of a tour and show you a few of interesting companies that I've seen and why, why they matter, and hopefully also challenge your perception a little bit of what kind of innovation can happen um, on the continent. So the first one, and maybe you've seen this before, it's a company called Zipline. Um, 
really incredible technology. Um, they've now basically partnered with the government in both Rwanda and Ghana and are launching other markets to use drones to send medical supplies between hospitals um, across the country. Now, this system is live in both countries already, um, connecting dozens, if not hundreds, of hospitals. And what you see in the back is kind of how the process works, right? So you have a central dispatch center, um, blood supplies or medical supplies are loaded onto the drone, and then they fly autonomously to the hospital, drop the, the shipment, where it's then picked up and used. And what they've managed to do is essentially completely skip the step where they had to develop roads and put truck on the roads um, or manage supply across a distributed set of hospitals. But they've managed to basically do all of this automatically using um, drone technology. And then basically the drones fly back and are ready for the next um, delivery. And so what they've done is they've managed to reduce the delivery time um, for medical supplies across um, the country and into rural areas um, by orders of magnitude, which I think is quite which I think is quite impressive. Um, another thing that we might, may not hear about as much, um, can we turn the audio off, if that's possible? Because um, we don't need it. Um, so the other, the other thing that's, um, that's quite impressive is there's now a company in Rwanda that's manufacturing laptops. Um, Volkswagen just opened a, a manufacturing plant in Rwanda as well. Um, where they're manufacturing cars. So you're now starting to see you know, industries moving onto the continent to develop um, and build technology there to be used there on the ground. So this company in, in Rwanda is now distributing their, their laptops. They build all sorts of other hardware products, and then are distributing it to all parts of the, of the continent. Um, another one which we actually quite heard about, uh, just heard about, is a company called Kobo360. Um, if you were paying attention, uh, you heard about them already. Um, the one thing that maybe I, I, would, I would add to Fosse's point about why this is so important is because um, there's a lot of countries on the continent that are landlocked um, and rely on shipping as their primary form of receiving goods, um, but also because that process is very, very inefficient. For example, a, a country like Nigeria receives the majority of their um, shipments actually from the neighboring country of Togo because it's much more efficient for ships to come into Togo and then bring things over land than going into the, into the Nigerian ports. So land delivery is a super, super, super important part of, uh, of making, the, the, making economies work and economies grow. Another company I'm particularly excited about is a company called Safe Border. They're based in, in Uganda and in Kenya. Um, also a way of kind of ordering uh, motorbikes on demand. And why is this important? It's because motorbike taxis are a super popular mode of transport across the continent and in a lot of other emerging markets. They're fast, they're not stuck in traffic, they're affordable, and you, 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 you'd be surprised by how many things you can actually transport on a motorbike. I've seen families, I've seen goats, I've seen all sorts of stuff getting onto a bike, so they're a super, super powerful mode of transport um, across the continent. But what's interesting is that where these companies can start with one thing, but then they grow in terms of their impact. So now what are these guys doing? They started, um, they basically started bringing motorbike drivers who are fairly informal, super cash heavy, um, and essentially rely on, on, on being in the right place at the right time to get the ride. They now started including them into the financial 
um, into the financial ecosystem. So they now started giving them digital bank accounts that go onto their that that go on their phones. They started doing partnerships with petrol station to make it cheaper for them to buy fuel. But then they're now also going into um, insurance products. So they're actually working with Allianz, the German insurance company, to give these motorbike drivers life insurance, health insurance. So what's basically happening is you're taking an industry that has kind of existed in the dark. Right? Anybody could just get a bike, get onto the street, and, and start driving around. Um, they took an industry that essentially existed in the dark and lifted it up into the formal sector and giving people opportunities to grow, um, to be safer, to do more business, but also to, to upskill. So the company itself is hiring a lot of their former drivers into other roles in the company and is helping them find jobs in other places to really kind of help them uplift themselves and, and, and their families economically. So that was just kind of a, a quick overview of, uh, of, of some of the interesting companies. I mean, we could do this for, for days and ages. There's so many fantastic things. But what I really wanted to show you here is just the incredible potential that exists when companies on the continent take their own local problems, build solutions around them, and then realize that um, they can scale into other places. So all of the companies I've shown you um, have started in, in, in an African country and have now expanded to, to others and are growing quite aggressively um, from country to country. Because what you realize is that a problem in the streets of Kampala is very similar to a problem in the streets of Nairobi, and it's very similar to a problem in the streets of Lagos, and so on and so forth. So massive opportunity for growth, massive opportunity for scale, um, and massive opportunity to build that um, in areas where you know, a lot of the Western world isn't even watching. So to wrap this up and to, to uh, come to a conclusion, there's, I think, three big points I want you guys to take home. Um, and one, and it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm quite passionate about, is we need to understand that we're going into a world where the majority of the world doesn't look like the streets of Hamburg, doesn't look like the streets of London, and we have not been exposed to, right? Um, this is a really, really, really important point because these places are also not going to look like Hamburg or London or Berlin anytime soon. They're going to develop their own way of developing. They're going to develop their own way of functioning, and it's not going to look like here. So we also need to understand that there's going to be an incredible amount of companies and entrepreneurs and technologies coming out of Africa, coming out of India, coming out of other emerging markets um, that are going to scale across the developing world and into the rest of the world as well. We're already starting to see it with a lot of Chinese companies that are you know, bringing innovation into, into some of, of, of our spaces, and this is only going to accelerate more and more. We don't have the monopoly on innovation uh, anymore, if we've ever had that. And the last one, what we need to keep in mind with this is nobody's waiting for us. The world is developing incredibly fast by itself. People on the continent, people are taking uh, things into their own hands. They're building their own innovations, their own products, their own businesses, their own solutions, their own technologies, their own everything. Nobody is sitting there waiting for somebody to come and fix their problem. People, people have much more energy, much more passion than that. And that's really something we need to keep in the back of our minds. So with that, um, 
I really just want to encourage you to do one thing, um, and that's, that's kind of the, it's a statement I, I, I really, really like. And I think we all need to stop thinking about how Africa and the developed world can become more like us and what we can do to make it more, look more like us. What we really should start looking at and thinking about is how can we learn from some of these places, from some of these innovations, from some of these technologies? What can we apply in our spaces from the things that are coming up in emerging markets and in Africa um, and really, really use them as a place to learn from and not as a place um, where we just go and export um, our products into. So with that said, I wanted to thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you. And yeah. Thank you, Marcello. Thank you very much. Thank you. thank you. Just a quick question. You mentioned China briefly yeah. there. And we heard yesterday about um, how potentially China is better placed to be uh, a partner, a development, a trade partner um, for African businesses than perhaps in Europe. And your reference to Safe Boda there, I thought I saw a lot of overlap, like creating this digital ecosystem and then um, business ideas sprouting off from that. Do you, do you agree with that statement? Yeah, so there's actually, there's an interesting, there's an interesting, uh, I don't want to call it fight happening right now, but there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of debate whether, you know, the Chinese influence or the Chinese example of how the country developed and how the tech space developed is something that African companies should look at, or if it's rather a Silicon Valley-based model. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of value in both, right? Mm -hmm. I think in the same way that we shouldn't just go and blindly copy uh, things from Silicon Valley, we shouldn't go and blindly copy things from Shenzhen either. But you have a country that has gone through that development of going from super informal to you know, almost the largest economy in the world mm -hmm. um, in a span of 20, 30 years, there's a lot you can learn from that. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think uh, you, you will see more and more companies taking a, a, a page out of the China playbook. You'll see companies taking play, pages out of the Silicon Valley playbook. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that's really exciting is companies are going to use that to build their own playbooks. Yeah. Because China is not like America, China is not like Africa, uh, Africa is not like America, Africa is not like China, and there's a big opportunity to just build your own playbook for how to do things. Okay, so exciting times. Absolutely. The next 10 years. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, Marcello will be on that uh, panel uh, later this afternoon. What's up, Africa, together with the Fossa and myself. Perfect. Okay, see you then.